Time for us to talk motoring and looking at just why is it that the hatchback is now a million rand car? I seem to think, and maybe I'm misremembering, that hatchbacks used to be the kind of car you could sometimes get as your first car, maybe your second car, but they weren't really million rand cars. So what's driving um, these prices and maybe you own a hatchback maybe you bought a hatchback before they became you know six figure seven figure vehicles um, how much did you pay for it uh, what brand did you get let us know on 011 Um because I'm trying to figure out you know were they ever accessible am I just remembering it incorrectly joined on the line by our resident motoring enthusiast Warren Tucker Warren as always it's good to have you on the show good morning Good morning, Goat. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Um, awesome, thanks. So, no, you're not wrong. Uh, hatches were the cheap, the cheap vehicles or the cheaper vehicles. Um, you, you, I don't know if you remember. You used to have your Mazda Sting. You used to have your Toyota Taz. Mm-hmm. Um, those are sort of your entry level vehicles. Your, you had your Golf, your Chicos. Um, those are your affordable vehicles. I mean, not, uh, well, a while ago, a Golf were, would set you back about 30-odd thousand rand, mm-hmm. brand new. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I mean, you're looking at a Golf GTI that's over a million rand. Wow. I never Golf imagined R. a Golf being a million rand car. Yeah, um, I, I don't understand that one as well. You know, VW's a people's car, Volkswagen. Um, but I don't know a lot of people that are going to be buying a Golf R uh, for over a million rand, spending that on a hatchback, on a hot hatch. Look, we we, we need to just um, clarify something. The vehicles or those vehicles in that segment are the hot vehicles, so they are the performance vehicles. Um, they've got your uprated engines. They've the, In the case of the Golf R, it's four-wheel drive. Um, it's got loads of tech in it. But again, it's over. Once you spec the vehicle, it's over a million rand. I've seen some of them. They stick a price of 1.2 million rand um, with a few extras on them. It's a lot of money for a golf, for a hatch. And so uh, it seems as if what's happening in terms of uh, prices in general and even just the kind of car you can get, everything's moving up a bit. Because um, yeah. even the entry-level vehicles, well, if, for luxury brands like the A1s, um, like the A-Class, like the 1 Series, even those are in a different category now. Before you could go, I can't actually afford a C-Class, a 3 Series, an A4, but I'd like to buy into those brands. So let me get the entry-level vehicle, which was usually yeah. a hatch. And you could mm-hmm. get away with about, if I remember correctly, 600,000, maybe 700,000. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even those have moved in a completely different space now. Yeah, every, well, look, in South Africa, we've also got to contend with a couple of things here. So, I mean, we had a minister that politely told us the other day that, well, load shedding is not the worst thing that could have happened to you. Um, and um, unfortunately, the knock-on effects of load shedding show themselves in situations like this. Remember now, VW sounded the alarm not so long ago saying that, listen, guys, you know, if you don't fix the ports and you don't fix the electricity problem, we might be forced to pull out of South Africa because they've got to use run diesel generators to, to keep the plant going. Diesel comes at the cost um, in South Africa and also 
you know, with, with them having generators, running diesel, those costs have to go somewhere. And they end up going into the price of the vehicle, which pushes, pushes the price of the vehicle up. And that then in turn make, makes the vehicle sort of unaffordable. Remember, we produce um, a lot of the entry-level vehicles sort of in South Africa with your Vivos, your Polos, your one-liter TSIs. But that being said, um, these hot vehicles that we're talking about or the fast hatches are mostly imported. Okay, then you've got a knock-on effect of things like the war in Ukraine, the semiconductor chip shortages that we experienced during COVID, and um, the fact that those have now picked up, but they're still not at levels where they should be in terms of production. So all those those costs or elevated costs, inflation, get passed onto those onto these new vehicles. So when before COVID, there was an oversupply. Of, of vehicles being manufactured by the manufacturers, right? But now we sort of sit with a situation where that oversupply is not there. And also your entry-level vehicles, I don't know if you noticed, but you can't buy a Ford Fiesta anymore. Those entry-level vehicles are gone. Um, I know Ford has introduced a Puma, a Ford Puma now, sort of to try and pick up that market segment. But mm-hmm. those entry-level vehicles disappeared, and that was largely due to situations like your semiconductor shortages, um, component shortages coming out of China and Japan, your obviously the war in Ukraine. A lot of people don't realize this, but Ukraine was responsible for producing um, harnesses for vehicles, airbag systems for vehicles. A lot of components were manufactured there. And when the war broke out, obviously manufacturers, especially the German manufacturers, Needed to needed to scramble to find new people to build their products for them. Mm-hmm. And so, for a lot of us, I guess now that things are and I, you know, put this in quotation marks, back to normal after the disruptions of 2020, 2021, and to some mm-hmm. degree, um, 2022 as well. The sector, the vehicle manufacturing sector, hasn't fully re- recovered. So it's not in the place that it was, say, December 2019. No, not at all. At the moment, we've also got other factors that are, are coming through in terms of vehicle sales. So you've got higher interest rates for longer. So households are under pressure. People don't have that surplus cash. Um, before COVID, the average vehicle age on the road was about nine years. Now you're looking at people holding their vehicles longer. That is now stretched to 13 years. And, um, you know, people would rather keep the vehicle and fix the vehicle to try and maintain the vehicle than buy a new vehicle because of the costs. Now, um, yes, the, 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 the inflation, we've, we've been looking at inflation and they're saying, yes, it is coming down, but it's not coming down faster. Therefore, we are going to keep interest rates higher for longer. This practice, though, and and just looking from the outside seems to have choked the economy because spending is down. So people are not spending any money. So that money is not coming into the economy. Now, if you look at your used vehicle or your new vehicles, dealers are not selling new vehicles. Um, they are struggling to move um, um, their, their products. A lot of the dealers, what they do is something called a pre-report so a vehicle will be pre-reported as sold. So the numbers look like the, the dealers are doing well, but those vehicles are just 
moved from the new side to the used side. So the, the, the vehicle is reported as sold so the dealership can get the incentive from the factory, but the vehicle is not sold. It's then moved to the used side, and then they try to sell the vehicle on that side of the floor. Now, the, 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 the dealers themselves are trying their best, obviously, to try and entice you to come into the dealership and buy a new car. But as I said earlier, a lot of people are looking at the interest rates. A lot of people are holding on to their vehicles for longer. So it's sort of like a perfect storm at the moment in the in the new and used car segments. Mm. So if people are who already own their cars, looking at the state of things, their own finances are under pressure, they can barely afford their mortgage or their mortgage keeps increasing, cost of you know um, fuel, cost of groceries, cost of uh, medical aid, etc. People are now holding on to their cars a lot longer so it used to be an average of nine years now it's 13 um but also we're seeing the cost of cars uh increase so uh the golf used to be you know it was with maybe the kind of car you could get at about half a million maybe six hundred (laughs) thousand now if you want a golf you need to pay a little bit more than that who is driving vehicle sales it doesn't feel as if middle class South no. Africans are buying cars right now. It just seems that given where uh, cars are, are priced, that if you are middle class, even if you are doing okay, it just a new car isn't for you right now. You're better off looking in the used car uh, yes. segment. Yes, so this is kind of where the disconnect's coming in at the moment. I'm sure you've had people talk about where they say, the government doesn't know what's going on on the ground. And, and you've touched on that subject, uh, on that point here. The middle class in South Africa is severely under pressure. Um, interest rates are higher, so you're paying more on your bond, you're paying more on your vehicle. Um, the other thing is is that petrol prices and diesel prices are higher. So that has a knock-on effect on food, transportation. We're not transporting anything via rail. Everything's being transported via road. So there's the, the cost of diesel has a direct impact on what your food costs. Um, obviously, we are not producing as much food as we were locally before. So a lot of our stuff is being imported. And all those things have a knock-on effect, which hits the middle class very hard. So you might be, be, be doing okay, just doing okay. But the furthest thing from your mind at this point is buying a new car. You would rather see a situation where you're going to fix the current vehicle that you've got. And that's also why the, the parts segment in this country or the, the, the parts in terms of keeping that vehicle going, that segment is, is very much alive. The used car market, uh, used car parts segment as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very much alive. People are looking to rather keep their vehicle on the road longer. The other thing that you'll notice is is that people that would lease the vehicle, that would then change the vehicle every three to four years, are buying those vehicles out and rather holding on to them. Because of the cost of the newer vehicle is so much higher, the installment on that vehicle is so much higher, so they're opting to rather buy out the vehicle and hold on to that vehicle. 
And so also if uh, the cars on our roads are a little bit older, I mean, generally you do want to, I guess, hold on to a car for as long as possible, particularly if it's a good car, it's very sturdy. Um, you know, a lot of German brands, Japanese brands are generally cars you can keep for a while. But what is the impact of the average age now being 13 years on, you know, car, uh, the, the car on the road is an average of 13 years. But also we know one of the big challenges is South African vehicles are not insured. Well, that's also what we've seen. So use uh, insurance prices also start to pick up then. Um, because obviously, look, it's all got knock. Everything has a knock-on effect. So in terms of your used car segment, remember that those leased vehicles and those fleet vehicles, your rental vehicles, would then appear on the used car market floor. So it would go from um, the person would then opt out of their lease, pick up a new vehicle. That vehicle would then find itself onto a used car dealer's floor and would be sold there. Now, if those vehicles are not filtering through to the used car dealer's floor, the used car dealer is now sitting in a situation where they still need stock, they still need to sell the vehicles, right? Now, the, 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 the used car dealer is also in a situation where they've got to buy right, um, and they've got to buy vehicles um, in a segment at the moment which is currently under 400,000 rand, because that is a segment in South Africa that's that as as buoyant at the moment. The the shift is is that people are no longer buying cars on price. They're not going to buy a vehicle on what the vehicle costs. They buy the vehicle on what the monthly installment is. Yes. And they look at the installment and they'll say, I can afford five thousand Rand. Okay? I can't afford anything more than that. And they match that installment to a vehicle. Now in the past you you would know that you had your your VW Polo, that would sort of be your entry-level vehicle, and, and that was your top-selling um, um, vehicle because based on price. VWs kind of outpriced themselves in the market, and these other brands have sort of filled in that gap. So you've got the likes of Suzuki, you've got the likes of Honda with their Maze, and they've filled in that gap there. And you'll look at the market and see that that specific market to those vehicles based on price, are starting to attract customers that would have previously been Polo customers because of the price of the vehicle. People still need those entry-level vehicles, but when you've priced yourself out of the market by having four to five increases um, every, I mean, four increases um, yearly, so every quarter that it is a price increase on that vehicle, you sort of sit with a situation where you've now priced yourself out of a certain segment, but the, there's other manufacturers that are filling in the gaps underneath that. Mm. And like, as I said, it's, people are shopping based on installment. That's where it's at at the moment. So dealers then, what they do is to try and entice customers into the vehicle. They offer them on scheme deals. They offer them on residual deals. Um, there'll be assistance from the factory. So they'll come out and say, well, there's 20,000 rand trade assistance on the vehicle. So those are all incentives for you to get into the in, into a new car. And that's, that's what, what the dealers are doing at the moment. But in the short term, it seems as if, I guess because of where, you know, people's pockets are, where the economy is, what cars are costing. I mean, we're talking about hatches that are costing a million rand and even just slightly mm-hmm. more. What I've seen is you can now get an even bigger, and firstly, the term is longer, so you can now get your vehicle finance on a longer term. I think it used to be five, now you can get six years. 
um, mm -hmm. or it used to be four, but now you can get six. And also what you can get as the residual, so which is basically the amount you agree to pay later as a lump sum, that seems to have gotten bigger as well. Yeah, so let me just um, correct you there. So previously your, your traditional or, or finance would be 54 months, 60 months. Mm -hmm. Then they've moved it to, to 72 months. Um, then what they've done is also your residual generally would be 20 to 30%. There's some situation where there's a 40% residual, which is offered on certain models. Um, then what they've done is there's, there's uh, finance houses that have come out with a sort of a step product. So what would happen is you'd have a seven to eight year finance period. So for the first two years, you'd pay a reduced installment. For the next year, your installment would go up um, and then it would go up again. And then by the fourth, uh, by the fourth to fifth year, you pay in what you should have been paying from the beginning. What this does for you is obviously it keeps your installment low. You are able to get in the vehicle, but remember there's still an interest factor that's going on in the background. So you are still the the interest you you are not you are not getting the capital amount down quick enough. So therefore your interest you are paying more interest on that vehicle, right? So you might score in the short term by having a lower interest rate, but in the long term you're paying when you work out what you've paid for that car, you're paying more for the vehicle. Again, these are products that that um, the the finance houses and manufacturers are trying to get in place to sell vehicles it's about sales and again with with the bank or your finance house they are in the business of lending money that's their business they need to lend money to make money so therefore they've got to got to entice you as the as the buyer with new innovative ways of getting you into getting you behind the driver's uh, the, the the steering wheel getting you into the driver's seat so these are all processes that happen now this is not something that's just uh, how can I say that's just a South African thing. The States is also going through a bit of issues in terms of the used car market. Mm -hmm. Their market's obviously very different. They have sort of a lot culture, so they would have a lot of vehicles, as in a vehicle lot. Uh, not these big fancy dealerships that we sort of have here. They do have them, but that's more for your premium brands. And um, they would sell a vehicle, but what they would do is they make money on the ancillaries, so the warranties, the products that they sell um, on that vehicle, right? That's normally what happens in terms of your new and used car market there. So the, the sort of the factors in terms of what they make on the vehicle, slightly lower, but they will sell you all these products to make up for that. The market is obviously very different. Um, in terms of how they sell their vehicles. Um, you know, you've got a situation where people can, it's such a vast pricing range because there's a lot of older vehicles that are still on the road. So if you had a thousand to three thousand dollars, there's something that you can buy that you can afford to get into, right? Um, you look at South Africa as well. Our cars are staying on the road a lot longer than we used to, but that again comes back to our discussion earlier, which is price and the fact that people are under pressure. Yeah. An interesting message here from uh, AB about maybe we should have a conversation about, um, uh, as you know, financing models, um, the pros and cons of buying on balloon payment, but also negotiating a fixed rate versus um, having something that's tied to, um, you know, that's a dynamic rate. So maybe that's one of the conversations we pick up.
Um, mm. But as always, Warren, thank you so much for your time this morning. Always great having you on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. That's thank you. our resident working enthusiast, Warren Tucker. And Abe, thank you very much for that suggestion. We'll definitely pick that up.